Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Hi there, folks. Welcome back to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. Every Friday at 8.30 Pacific Standard Time, we have a panel of WordPress experts, people that got strong views or something to say. And we've got um, a small panel, but it's going to grow during the show. Some other people are going to hopefully be joining us in the next five to ten minutes. But before that, I'd like to introduce the panel we've got at the present moment. And ladies first, would you like to introduce yourself, Sally? Certainly. My name is Sally Getch. I am a recovering classicist and lifelong geek. Uh, and I build WordPress websites for small businesses and nonprofits. And I'm also the organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup in Oakland, California. And Sally is a classicist. She uh, actually taught. Greek and Latin, and so um, she is classic. Um, um, there we go. Um, another classic individual, um, Morton. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, I am Morton, I'm a philosopher masquerading as a web developer. Uh, therefore, the hat. Uh, and I work for LinkedIn Learning, and I'm here today. You say that cue, we're, cue the philosopher's say, drinking song from Monty Python. <laughs> you say that with a certain degree of um, regret, actually. I don't know. <laughs> it's funny because lately my job as a web developer has very much collided with my past as a philosopher. So that's, that's why I'm like. Oh, that that sounds worth exploring more. It, it's a. Uh, Except I, I can't read your blog because it vibrates too much with that black and white. It sets off my migraines. Oh, that was the old one. The new one doesn't have the black and white anymore. Uh, the new one is like ultra plain. All right, then. Let's, let's get on with it. We've got some great news stories. Our main um, subject, which we'll be covering in the second half of the show, folks, will be the future WordPress page builders connected to WordPress. Not the, uh, not the most fluid title. I should have thought about that a little bit more, but there we go. Uh, um, and we're on to the news stories. And um, let's start with number one. Google Chrome version 62 adds support to open type variable front. And then the real business expands HTTP warnings. You're going to have warnings all over your Chrome because you haven't got HTTP. TPS on them. So um, let's start with Sally. What did you think of that article and what Google is? Uh, well, per personally, I'm more interested in the in the variable fonts because yeah. oh, right. uh, uh, be because those those are those are really cool and and will make a difference to you know load times and and other things. But you know the HTTPS stuff. It, 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 because I've been following that for a long time, it's sort of like, well, okay, I've been expecting these warnings. I've been seeing some of these warnings. I was in the middle of writing a blog post about HTTPS because I need to kind of nudge those of my clients who <clears throat> who don't have it yet, uh, mostly because they weren't <clears throat> go daddy. And uh, uh, <clears throat> so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it is about time. If, if you don't have HTTPS, and my article is mostly about, you know, go out and get it now, but, that, but the thing that 
Google, there's a problem with the way Google phrases this, you know, because if you have the, if you have the certificate, it says secure. What it should say is encrypted. Yeah. Right. It means that the, any information sent back and forth is encrypted and therefore people can't, you know, pluck it out of the ether and read it as, as easily. It doesn't necessarily mean that your site is secure in any other respect. And I, I, I was looking at the different uh, statements on uh, across some of the browsers, and, and I noticed that, you know, with Firefox, you just get the green lock when you do have, uh, have the certificate. Uh, with Edge, you get just a lock um, because they're really not into color, I guess. But when you, you know, when you click it, it actually says encrypted instead, <laughs> and it gives your, your identity. I'm like, my God somebody has understood truth in advertising um but it, it hasn't been giving any warnings if it's not encrypted which is interesting yeah it's great uh, my, my take on it is i'm just a little bit niffed about google you know i know you know it's all powerful but does it really have to kind of splunge every website with warning messages you know because somebody decides not to have a hcps well it doesn't though <laughs> oh, I'm wrong. Go on if you have a login or any kind of uh, any kind of a form, so it's it, it it will pop up the warnings on your login form, or on your comment form, yeah. or or on your you know contact form, or anywhere else that you are entering data. Yeah, which is absolutely fair, because if you're not doing it over an encrypted connection, you have no idea who's. Actually, right, and it, you know, I mean, I found this nice uh, website from uh, the FTC, I believe it was about, uh, or maybe it was the FCC, because somehow I get dyslexic about those two names, uh, talking about you know encryption and warnings and and you know uh, public Wi-Fi networks and uh, hey, you know what. Hey, what you should do and, and shouldn't do and, and that, you know, if you're using a, a you know, an open Wi-Fi network, you should never uh, enter any information into a site that doesn't have HTTPS over the whole site. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, well, you know, that's nice. Let's, let's you know, stick that in there and, and understand because, yeah, I mean, what I, what I don't want people who own websites to do is think, Oh well, now that I've got this certificate, that that's it. My website is secure. I don't have to do anything else. Uh, yeah, no, there's <clears throat> there's a lot more to it, but it, there's also this other thing which is, has nothing to do with encryption, which is really important with uh, HTTPS, and that is if you want to take advantage of the modern HTTP protocol, HTTP two, you must right, right. You you have to have HTTPS yeah, because it runs to, to over use... an encrypted uh, connection. So if if you don't have HTTPS, you can't do fancy things like server push. Your sites will work slower. Uh, you don't have um, <coughs> yes. Now I, now I I only or... wish that that you know GT metrics and and all those things that like tell you about your performance. It would actually catch up to that and understand that well some of the some of the warnings that they they give you about stuff are are no longer relevant because as long as you've got http2 going you know that stuff will load in in parallel and it doesn't matter yeah well i'm I'm sure they will it'll just take time so but uh, i think what what's 
this is historically important, or rather history here is important because uh, up until a couple of years ago, HTTPS certificates were very expensive and yes. very difficult to set up. So therefore, even though encryption on the web should have been a thing that we were all doing the whole time, because well, who's, right, who's going to pay 75 company, bucks a year for a certificate for your personal blog that you don't make any money yeah, from? Exactly. It was like the hosting companies were basically holding encryption hostage by putting an enormous price tag on it. I mean, I've, I've worked with clients who were approached by hosting companies who were like, well, you can get the basic encryption package, but you should really get the more fancy one. And like, right. And the, the, yeah, if you don't run a financial institution uh, or, a, you know, a marketplace or something that's likely to be the, the subject of a phishing attack, you don't need an EV certificate. Exactly. So uh, what, what changed this is we had OpenSSL for a while, but OpenSSL was super complicated to set up because the back end of it was rather wonky. But then Let's Encrypt came along, which was backed by uh, Automatic and a bunch of other companies. And Let's Encrypt has been incorporated into a lot of hosting platforms like uh, SiteGround and I believe DreamHost and a bunch of other places. So when you are setting up your domain, you just click a button and then it'll automatically... Yeah, I mean, so somebody the, built a, a cPanel interface for it. You, you, you basically, you press the button. It's, it's really easy. So I, you know, I had mine set up on SiteGround, you know, pretty much as soon as it came out. Um, and uh, good morning, PC. I was on calls all day yesterday and she didn't participate until the last one. Yeah, we've got Kat. And we've got an, another panelist joining us, um, Adam from WP Crafter. Thanks for joining us. I like your green screen. Uh, it, uh, me? You. Uh, or, is it, or is that just an effect of a nice blank no, wall? No, it's because a Philips look... Hue light. Ah. Yeah, so I can change the color uh, of it. Since I make all the videos, I like to change what's there. I'm not much into green screens. Uh, they're too complicated. And you'd be, you'd be pleased to hear, Doctor Evil, that your cat is on its way. It will, it, it, it will, you will get it probably on Sunday. Actually, it's <laughs> That's gonna great. You know, sadly, I'm going to an '80s party, and it occurred to, on this weekend, and it just occurred to me I should have been Doctor Evil, uh, Morton. You know, Doctor Evil from the '80s Austin Power movies. Mm -hmm. um, instead, I'm going as like a Run DMC or something like that. My wife got me gold chains, <laughs> got me gold hats. <laughs> so that'll be that'll be fine but i think dr evil suits me better uh, we, we must take some photos and send them to us we could get it on to the wp tony that's book. right i am I'm, I'm sure somebody somewhere could could rent you an austin powers uh, dr evil suit it's just the gray jacket right so uh, right with the mandarin collar i think yeah, um, well, back to subjects i know we were discussing it's gonna be more interesting but there we go um so what about this font thing? I don't know much about this font thing as well. You, you two, <laughs> our beloved panel, you seem to think the font thing is, is even Well, the, you know, fonts and responsive design are, have been a challenging thing. And web fonts and the weight they can add to your site have been a challenging thing. And the idea with a variable font is you've got one font file and it somehow magically contains like every possible weight and and style in it and um you know i because nothing has worked with them i've only sort of read about them bookmarked it and thought this is cool and i'm looking forward to it coming out uh, so i'm i'm glad there's starting to be support for it because you know then there's an environment in which i can learn to use it all right sounds good what do you think about that Moulton? yes same 
Cheers, <laughs> <laughs> man. You're going to be awkward today, aren't you? I can tell you've got a initiative look in your eye. You? Uh, it, they're, they're just, it's, it's variable font. You put them in a box, and then when you do this to the box, the font will just be like... And it gets thinner and right. Thicker. I mean, you know, it, font, it, right? Font, font that responds for, to the environment you are placing it inside, which is right, which is excessively cool because <laughs> you know, if you've ever had to do any CSS work at all, and you realize, oh, you know, this giant headline font uh, uh, is actually too big to fit in the space when yeah. we're, you know, when we're on mobile, and so I have to write a media query with a different font size in it. Or I have to see whether I can get away with um, putting my font size in, in something like VW. <laughs> so just, just for those who haven't seen it, there's a bunch of demos online of this that you can see where they've animated it. But the thing that's different between a variable font and a regular font is if you have a regular font and you put it inside a box, you can set the size of that font to an M and then it'll actually scale to fit the box. However, what happens is if you have a bold font, it'll stay bold the entire time. And it'll be the same thickness relative to its display. A variable font can vary its width. So the font, the glyphs get narrower. Um, it can vary its height. So the glyph, glyphs get taller or shorter. It can also vary its thickness or the kerning in between the spaces. So the font designer can make choices about how the font behaves when its uh, width is reduced or lengthened or its height is reduced or lengthened um, and make this more dynamic display so that you don't get this stepping between like thick font and then we jump down to a smaller font and we jump down to a smaller font you get a much smoother behavior that's oh. the difference so it's very like designery and very finicky and most people won't actually know that it's happening but it produces a cleaner, more streamlined experience at the, for the end user. All right, that sounds cool. Uh, on to the next story. Um, I did change... like, this is boring. It's <laughs> not <laughs> <laughs> so boring, but what can uh, you yeah, say? No, yeah, sorry, I some just... of us just get deep, geeky well, about... Well, I can see your initial reaction, you know, is, it is what it is, but it will be cool. Um, I changed the second story just to keep the just to make sure the panel were on their toes and they actually looked into the Slack channel. Um, I changed story two. Uh, um, this AMP project turns to automatic partners with Google to improve WordPress plugin. This is this uh, AMP pages, Google um, kind of being- Accelerated pushed. mobile pages. Yes. yes. You know, um, I, I just deactivated that plugin. Ah, good uh, for you. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, practically everything I've read says that essentially, unless you're like a newspaper site, there's nothing especially useful in having no. AMP pages. Um, and so, you know, I know that um, Facebook uh, uh, is never going to be syndicating my site and neither are, you know, neither are a bunch of other things. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't know that there's a lot of value in, in the AMP pages. The, the idea at first seemed to be, well, you'll get these pages that are much faster on, on mobile, but that doesn't seem to be the way it's been working out. I think when it launched, wasn't the initial selling point from Google's perspective, if you have this on your website, we're going to be more likely to show these pages on mobile devices. Uh -huh. And we're also going to put these little notices on a mobile phone. I mean, that 
in my mind was really the only real motivation because I think you guys might've been talking about Chrome a second ago. You just got to go the direction Google pulls you. Uh, if you're interested in having your website be seen as by as many people as possible, I think, wasn't that part of the original persuasion? That, that certainly seemed to be the way it was sold. Yeah. yeah but, but yeah, I keep reading these articles by people who said, so we tried Google Amp and it totally sucked and it messed things up for us. Well, it's uh, insane. It's, it's, it it's anti-open web and all the bad things you can think of. And I have no understanding of why Automatic is back in this in any way. Because it's, it's like the opposite of what WordPress stands for. It's the opposite of what web standards stand for. It's basically Google saying, hey, so you have a website. We want to have a copy of your website that behaves totally differently from how the web works that runs on our proprietary code. And then when people go to your website on a mobile device, we'll hand them that website instead of yours because it'll behave faster. And then we can run metrics on it and we can jam ads into it and we can do all these things that we can't do with your website because you're basically handing us control over it. And why automatic would even consider working with this is baffling. Uh, you don't have to ask Matt because I don't have a clue. It, it's, it's, uh, there are a lot of people who have written about this. Ethan Marcotte wrote about, write about it. Um, um, Jeremy Keith wrote about it. There's all these web standards people who are like, stop using this crap right now because it's, it is counteracting how the web works. Instead of saying, hey, we're going to index your site on Google, they say, hey, we're going to index your site. And if you give us control of your site, we'll put you higher on the list, right? And then you go, well, you know, maybe I should just stop using app. Facebook is doing the same thing. Everyone, all these big companies are now trying to take over the web and make their own little version of the web. So they're like giving instant articles that's on Facebook. You have Google Ads. There's going to be other companies that I'm sure Apple's going to barf out some garbage like this too and try to make people do it. <laughs> so do, do not use this. This is not good for anyone. The, the, and the crazy part is if you want to use AMP properly, you have to change your content to make it fit. That's why there's a WordPress plugin, uh, plugin needed because the markup is totally different and you lose control over your content. Now, instead of doing this, what you should be doing is make um, a progressive web app, which does the same thing, except you have control over it. So don't use AMP, the end. Tell Matt and all the other people that are automatic, they should stop maintaining this garbage plugin and stop telling people to use it and take it off wordpress.com. It's counteracting the freedom of the web. Stop it. So, Morton, do you think that the what's going to happen with AMP is kind of like with a lot of the other silly projects that Google has gotten themselves into in the last 10 years where they do it, they push it, and then they pull back entirely and it's totally wiped off of uh, – uh, you, do you think it's going that direction or do you think they're going to keep pushing and incentivizing? Because when Google wants something, you're almost forced to do what they tell you to do if you want to be seen. If that's part of what you're trying to accomplish. They, they will not stop. Uh, the fact that, we're, uh, that Automatic is part of this uh, gives them enormous leverage, which is why Automatic should stop being part of this, um, because they're just handing Google all these sites. Right? Uh, uh, Google has some tremendous incentive to do this, because it gives them a lot of control. Um, we have tremendous incentive to not do this because we want to avoid one company controlling their content. Um, if you have an Android phone, you've seen AMP pages because when you go to 
any site that has AMP on it and you click on the link, instead of going to the site, you go to a site that is like uh, bobscats.com slash AMP slash something. Yeah. And then when you try to copy that link and share it with other people, that link now all of a sudden is obfuscated because you now have this AMP thing inside it. And then you can click on a hidden link inside the UI and get the original link and send that instead. But it's really wonky. Um, so they, they- I've seen pages they that people have shared like that. Into the conversation to, to be like, no, 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 no. I'm going to redirect you over here where we have this other version of the site where we control all the content. It's like, what the hell? That is not how the web works at all. This is just crazy. And I remember when AMP first came out, and, and Automatic said that they were going to do this. I went on to WT Tavern and I'm like, why the fuck are you doing this? Sorry, I'm swearing. <laughs> I'm like, why on earth would you do this? Because this is exactly opposite of what WordPress stands for. And the answer was, well, you, you got to do it because Google loves the faster websites, da, 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 right? No, I'm sorry. The whole point of WordPress is self-control. Sorry, not self-control, self-governance, self-agency, like, all these things. This plugin literally takes that away in a very explicit sense. And Automatic is like, here, put it onto your website. Why? <laughs> oh. And also, it might help with regards to letting someone see this one snippet of your content inside of Google's uh, kind of warehouse but it doesn't help that person when they see your content, maybe they're interested in what you're writing and want more of your content to actually click around to your real website where they can actually begin to uh, make a connection with you and your content. It's just that little piece and then you're in and you're out, right? You bounce in and you bounce out just as fast as you bounced in. So you're not really gaining anything. You're, you're not gaining anything at all, actually, in my experience. Well, the only thing is... Um one of the guests we had about a couple of months ago, um, it's episode 222, and it was Debmar Gatel, um, SEO consultant, very good lady, knows her stuff. Um, she was really pushing it for SEO reasons, and that's what Google's been doing on the SEO forums and that. You know, um, you get better SEO if you join them in this, abomination basically <laughs> um and it, it like i totally agree with Maudson. um what a godforsaken idea but i i the only thing i disagree with you Maudson, and i agree a little bit with adam is um it's revenue general it's revenue driven um because like you what you said Maudson, that gives them total control so they can just throw in more of their crap adverts um but on the other hand, I, 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 this was the disappointing thing. I think it was struggling, um, but automatic have given them a step up, step up the ladder by what they've done. And it's like you said, Morton, it's totally against everything that uh, Matt said that Word, Word, WordPress was about, you know, um, democratizing publishing, blah, blah, blah. This this is the total opposite of why automatic, you know, we know why it's financially driven, you know, because automatic is a private company and it has investors and they've done a deal with Google and they're getting a kickback 
a substantial kickback. This is the reality. But it's totally against the principles of the foundation and the public um, statements of Matt as the head of the foundation. It's another clear example of somebody having too many hats again. And it's a, a thing I kept on talking about, but it, it's a consequence, a consequence of having too many hats, Morton, once again. Mm-hmm. So just, just to be absolutely fair here, one of the reasons why Automatic says that they are part of this is they want to push Google to make AMP more open. That is a, that is a uh, virtuous goal. And in many circumstances, I say, if you want to change something, you need to change it from the inside. However, you can't change a corporation's behavior from the inside without being part of that corporation. And in this case, being part of AMP and pushing AMP forward will not result in AMP going, oh, okay, well, now WordPress people are using it, so now we have to make it more open. They will literally go, oh, awesome, now WordPress people are using it, so we don't have to do so much marketing to these people. I mean, in the press release they have on WP Tavern, um, uh, they actually mention, like, uh, Automatic is one of the earliest publishing partners in the project. It's like, okay, congratulations, you just were an early adopter of something awful. Um, there's a tweet that just popped up uh, from um, Adrian Rosali. He's, uh, he's an accessibility expert. He says, devs, please don't balkanize the web. Use web standards, target performance, and don't use AMP. Two years is too long already. That's exactly what we all need to repeat to everyone. Yeah, you know, actually, Adam, I think you should, you know, you, you must be tempted to try and apply for a job at Google because Dr. Evil and the company that says it does know evil, it's a perfect match, Adam, actually. I, I think oh, the two of you are born, born to collide. You know, I think, you you know, with the cat and uh, Dr. Evil, head of Google, would be a, a, a great mixture, actually. So, total, <laughs> totally off topic. Did you know that Google does not no longer has the motto "Do no evil"? Yeah, no, do as much as evil. Don't, don't be evil. Yeah, I, I, they clearly that clearly fell by the wayside a long so, time ago. Uh, when they when Alphabet became the mothership of Google and all these other crazy things, uh, they changed their motto from "Don't be evil" to "Do the right thing." It's like. <laughs> Wasn't there a movie by Spike Lee about that? Yeah, I think I think it's do the right thing. Let me check with my loud keyboard. So please please don't please don't do that. (laughs) So do you think Google gave um, Word uh, Automatic some money to do this? No. Yeah. Why not? Oh, please, they got some money. Why else would they do it? Why else would they do it? I presume they see some advantage in it. I don't know that it was as crude as you know. Here's a payoff. Yeah, here's a hundred million dollars. Um, will you, will you do this? That's access to all these websites. No, because that would be considered bribing, and I don't, I don't believe in these automatic conspiracies. I, I honestly think that this is it's not a conspiracy, Morton. They're a privately held company with no, investors. Honestly, they don't do things for free, Morton. I honestly think they're doing this out of some misguided belief that they can somehow change the path that Google is on. But oh, is God, really I don't think they're that naive, Walton. I'm sorry. I'm not naive. I just... No, I no, no, stuff like no, that no, I'm using it. the wrong word there. I apologize. We should, we should go ask Matt. I'm sure he'll answer that question. Yeah, I'm, sure he, I'm sure he'll answer my <laughs> comments straight away. You know, I'm talking <laughs> 
Eve's Christmas list, the things I've said. Uh, but there we go. Um, but um, yeah, you, you might be right. I might be wrong. But I, I just don't. I, I, and crudeness. Um, I don't know what to say about that. You know, it's just commas. You know, um, it's just the space of capitalism, isn't it? Well, but yes, I, but there are, people have long-term goals, and so they do something without an immediate payoff because they see it an ultimate benefit, and and I presume that they see that. So, you know, it, it's not as it's not necessarily a matter of oh, here bags of money have just changed uh, changed hands. I mean, you know, I know people who think lobbyists just carry bags of money to uh, and. You politi- politicians, and, and let me tell you, you wouldn't need to pay someone ten thousand dollars a month just to act as your bag man. Um, I just slightly disagree, Sally. You, uh, by uh, you know, obviously you're a classicist, and um, you know, and I like my history. You'd be amazed at uh, how crude bribery is when you get to the fundamentals of it. And I'm not suggesting that um, there's any form of bribery here at all. Please, um, viewers, listeners, don't get that impression. (laughs) Um, But the idea that there's any long-term benefit for readers, users of the web, or anybody apart from Google for this god forsaken idea and project is and any and the top people in automatic are much sharper people than i am um they're much sharper tool in the toolbox than i ever will be so they must know that the only reason you would do it is they've done a deal with google which is understandable because automatic is a privately held company with investors and its purpose is to make as much money for its investors as possible. It's quite clear, really. Um, so they do things that will make their company more profitable. And getting in bed with Google um, and whatever those arrangements entailed um, will make Automatic more profitable. And I'll be the first to say there's already a ton of that going on in the whole WordPress ecosystem that people are not even aware of. You know, when you see someone wearing a T-shirt from some WordPress product company, they're paying them to do that. But it's not talked about when they're writing blog posts and stuff like that. There's direct payments going out for that. Oh, yeah. By the way, well, there's a lot of that. Yes, I, I don't are, do that. Are, I'm always wearing a black shirt. But yes, I'm, hey. sending you, I'm sending you the WP Tonic shirt. As I'll, be the, yeah, I'll be the first <laughs> to say that they're not declaring it. <laughs> I'll be the first to say that they're not declaring it. All right. On to the next story. I, I think I've, I've bored Morton with this. So I'm on to the next one. No, no. All right. You, you look a bit fed up with me. but I'm just doing research. Oh, yeah, you can hear it. And so the listeners, he's got a very noisy keyboard listeners. Oh, my God, fathers. Uh, never mind. Uh, on to the next thing. How are we doing for time? Let's push this out quick and then we can get on to the main story. Um, WordPress 4.9 protects users from fatal errors and create themes plugin. Yeah, this is this improved editor, this online, another great idea. Uh, anybody want to start start with this one? Well, I, I think it's good that they're doing it. Uh, you know, that that's, again, probably something that, that should have been done before. But yes, it, it seems only likely to, you know, in, encourage people to do something they shouldn't, which is edit their themes and plugins directly in 
you know, uh, directly from the WordPress admin, uh, which is just not a very good idea. So, you know, well, I if, think you got WordPress is transitioning, right? Um, well, it's been going through this for a while. It started out, you had mostly coders and developers using it. Now you have users using it partially because of jerks like me that are teaching people <laughs> how to do this themselves via a YouTube video. Then they're Googling, how do I do X, Y, Z? And they're seeing a custom function and they're copying and pasting it and then breaking their sites. I think that you, uh, WordPress needs to take the user into consideration and have little protections from them for harming themselves. But you have security plugins like iThieve Security. It actually hides the editor completely. Well, yes, and, and it, it's, you know, developers are frequently encouraged to hide the editor from their, uh, from their <clears throat> clients because if you, you know, if you want to give clients the ability to make some, some changes, you know, that's why there are things like page builder plugins and, and other kinds of uh, things which, you know, may produce crappy code, but at least probably uh, won't destroy your site completely. I wonder if they're building this because of the web hosts that have to probably fix thousands of websites each week where someone actually did this and then they go straight to the web host and say what happened and then the web hosts are having to go in and fix these things you know what i mean yes well i'm, I'm not sure exactly who it is using using these because i mean it probably is people who, who watch adam's uh, tutorials i mean my they clients are. don't want to look at code they don't want to think about code they don't want to hear about code it's not they it's not clients it's it's just people doing it themselves it's mm -hmm. all your DIYers. and i bet if you did some like numbers i bet a significant part of WordPress user base is DIYers, not developers or anything like that. And it's so easy to miss one little character in a copy and paste and next thing you know, you took your whole website down. Oh, no, it isn't. I know quite a few and I'm not going to name names, people that advertise and they go straight in and they start you know, they advertise, we'll fix it they won't charge you for the first fix and they're straight on a, on a live website fixing it through the editor. <laughs> 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 and um yes now i mean well, I, po possibly all of us uh, uh, you know there have been times when i did that in the past before i knew better uh, but yeah it's one of those things that you learn pretty quickly is is just not a good idea um well not if you want to keep your hair <laughs> See, what, yes, well, my, my hair is very expensive i definitely don't want to lose it <laughs> if you don't want to look you want to keep your hair so yeah, it shows you've been doing too much of this going into the editor, aren't you, mate? You know, <laughs> I've done it, and I've crashed my site before by missing something or putting something in wrong. But uh, yeah, Mort uh, Morton's keeping quiet on this. So, you know, you just let me dig a hole for what himself. everyone else is saying. Yeah, good. Um, any any yeah, ideas? This thing is a relic. It, it it used to make sense if you go back to the beginnings of WordPress that you could go into WordPress and mess with the files because back when it was first created, it was hard to do, right? You had to do all this FTPing back and forth and it was a big mess. So having giving people the ability to go and quote hack their site was a good idea. It had an editor right inside it so you could just mess around with it. But that comes off this philosophy that the only people who are using WordPress are people who are ready to start messing around with the code and uh, don't most of those people know how to use FTP? Well, it's 
you have to remember when this was, right? This is like 2006, 2006. Yeah, but, you know, I'm old, Morton. I, I started I know, publishing no, I, things by FTP in 1993. I, I know, but I think <laughs> if you think back to that time, uh, the whole mentality around doing this stuff was very different from what it is today, right? It was like you installed WordPress onto a thing and then WordPress was this own thing and then you would go in and edit the thing. You wouldn't pull it back in because we started without themes and plugins, right? And then the themes and plugins came on board and then people wanted to make quick changes. And because this was their own little like weird sandbox project, they could just mess around with it right away and see changes because they didn't have, there was no WAMP or MAMP or any kind of local environment. So you had to mess around with it on the live host. Um, but that's the thing. This is all based off the assumption that the people who are using WordPress are people who are willing to essentially crash their site live in an effort to make something work. But that's not what WordPress is, and it hasn't been for a long time. And this particular feature, there's been a lot of talk over the years about removing it, about uh, shielding it, about making it only available for certain users. Um, and it's interesting how, no matter how many people say this that shouldn't be there, it persists. And I think the reason is there, there are only, there's only really one circumstance under which I would use it. And that is, there's a rare case where for some reason you have no way of accessing the site through other means. So you can't get into it through um, FTP because you've been locked out or there's some other uh, reason why you have an inability to gain access to the site and you need to do something very minor. I, either very minor or something that's like essential to the site itself, right? Like um, kill a theme completely or um, go in and edit something like some sort of disastrous error that has occurred or go in to take out a hack before you reset the site or something like that. In which case, this is useful-ish, but it's still something that you could do through other means. So my thinking is, this should be carved out and made into a standalone plugin. So only people who need it install it rather than have it in core. Um, because it, it, there are very few instances where you would need it. There are, very, there are a lot of instances where uh, I think, well, I think the percentage of people who use this thing by mistake or due to lack of understanding of what it's doing is as much higher than the people who are using it intentionally for something where it's an actual practical tool. Yeah, uh, uh, it's uh, there for the, uh, keeping it for legacy purposes makes no sense. Uh, keeping it there because people use it is actually a bad argument because people shouldn't use it. Uh, so what we're ending up with is an inability to explain why it's there and a warning doesn't go far enough. Yeah, just to wrap, just fantastic points, Morton. Just to wrap up and be f slightly flippant, um, I totally agree with you. I have no idea why it's not a separate plugin, why they've done it this way. God knows. But, it, but on the other hand, it helps my company because... <laughs> It gives you a business. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you don't want people to use a feature, why are you putting it in there? Um, so I'm all for it, really, Walter. But there we go. That's what conflicts, like the second story we were discussing. But there we go. But no, I'm not that mercenary. Um, there we go. So we're going to go for our breaks. Going to go for breaks. We're going to go for our break, folks. And we'll be back in a little while. And we'll be 
into the main topic, um, the future of page builders. We'll be back in a few minutes, folks, or less. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back, folks. We've got a great panel, a compact one. They've been putting me right, putting me in my place. Somebody needs to do it, don't they? We've seen the cat. The cat's appeared. It's got bored. It's gone off. And um, Dr. Evil's here. Our... Um, He'll be with his cat next week. Uh, um, so everything's great. So we're going into our main story. Um, main story. Our main topic. I've got to get my wording correct, haven't I? Um, the future of WordPress page builders. Who would like, or by great panel, would like to start off with that? I'm actually going to start off with a soundbite and then volley over to Morton. I think last time, <laughs> last time Morton was on the show and I was on the show, the topic of Gutenberg came up and um, I think I was very dismissive of Morton. And I think that was an error because I think everything that he was saying about, because this was at the very beginning of, of Gutenberg meaning the beta had just, or the alpha or whatever was there. If there's something before alpha, that's probably what it was. It just come out. Um, people were having their initial feelings of it. And he was saying that this is WordPress going after all the page builders. And I think at that point I was a bit dismissive. And I think as we've seen uh, over the three months, it's shaping up to be, somewhat of that so um i'm handing it off to morton oh, please say something well, that's yeah i'm trying to find the unmute button because <laughs> you were complaining about my keyboard so i turned <laughs> the microphone off so uh i don't think yes i i, I truly think uh gutenberg will change this landscape fundamentally I don't think Gutenberg was created to kill this uh, this uh, sub space inside the uh, ecosystem, but I think it will, because a lot of these uh, frameworks are based on the assumption that you can't do page building. Um, at the same time, Gutenberg opens the door for those who are creative enough to make new types of page builders that work really differently. Um, so it, we're we're heading into interesting times because the whole way that this stuff works is changing. So you can imagine right now, if you want a good page builder, you have to install a plugin that basically extends the functionality of WordPress. In the future, you'll be able to install either a theme that has page builder functionality built into itself thanks via Gutenberg, or you'll be able to install some sort of third-party application that uses WordPress through the REST API that essentially is a page builder. Um, and the, I think maybe the most the most interesting part of Gutenberg moving forward is this breakpoint where all of a sudden Gutenberg becomes something that controls the entire view. So not just 
internally in the posts or page, but everything. At which point we can stop talking about WordPress posts and pages and instead talk about views, individual views. And you can design views that contain multiple posts or multiple pages or eight widgets and two posts or one post with a post inside it or stuff like that. So this entire con the entire conversation around page builders will merge, will uh, evolve into a conversation about view builders or layout builders. Um, so who knows? You're asking what the future of page builders is? The future of page builders is they will cease to exist. They will be replaced by something else. I, I think that, yeah, as we know it, I mean, it, you know, I, I don't have any insight into what any of the, the page building companies are, are actually planning to do. I know the Beaver Builder people have mentioned that they've been, you know, working some with the Gutenberg team. But I think if you expect to survive as somebody who produces a page builder, you are going to have to drastically revise what it is that you are producing and say, okay, well, what we're going to do is is leave the sort of core, whatever functions end up in, in core via Gutenberg there and figure out what we can do in a, in a way that supplements them or that, you know, as, as Morton says, takes the API and, and creates, a, you know, a whole different kind of a, a tool for making uh, layouts that, you know, don't necessarily go through WordPress's editor at all. Uh, and so that, you know, if they want to survive in the longer term, they're going to need to adapt. And that might make room for, you know, it, it seems like page builders are such a crowded space already. And that in some ways, you know, right now with things up in the air would be a, a bad time to, to make a new one. But it might actually make an opening for somebody who doesn't have legacy code from a pre-Gutenberg era to create something that's, you know, a, you know, kind of compatible extension to it um, versus a thing that was invented because there was none of this capability in core. Yeah, before, uh, I was going to push it to Adam, but before I do that, I, I just want to put this general thing. It was a bit of a trick title I put in this episode, folks. Um because obviously none of us can tell, you know, how can these companies adapt to a, clearly going to be a very changing market in the next six months plus. Um, but there's a bigger question that I wanted to put to the panel as well. And it's been something I've been thinking about is that I did some, not extensively, but before I got into WordPress, I did a, a bit of work with Expression Engine. And one of the things... One of the frustrating things about learning the expression engine was there was always seven ways of doing something. You know, there was seven ways you could set up things in the expression engine. There just always was multiple ways. And one of the things that I don't like, it's not so prevalent in WordPress, one of the strengths of WordPress was that there was a set way of doing something, you know, um, Additional plugins kind of murked that up a little bit. You know, they would put put settings either under settings or you would have to go to the plugin view of the plugins and then there would be settings or they put it under appearance. 
and that's annoying in its own right you know that you, you especially in my game we're doing support we get support tickets well we can't remember how to do this and it because they they can't find it in the logical place because the plugin has put it somewhere else and this whole thing with the restless api and now with this um the editor um do you think it could get to such state it's actually going to make things a lot worse that um you end up with a thousand different ways of doing it but there's no structure for the end user i'm going to start ask adam what what did you think about what I've just said? I've, I've just been talking dribble, Adam. No, not at all. And, you know, even with, you know, it's funny, even with like a page builder, like say, let's just say Elementor, or you say any of them, there's even within that own framework, there's multiple ways of doing the same thing as well. So I, I see that as a good thing for me because you can have uh, five different tutorials and everyone has their own way of doing things and all that. I think though, what's going to happen in my mind, you've got uh, the page builder market and let's, let's get something out there. This is probably a 20 to $30 million a year market when you add up the revenues of all of them. And obviously the 800 pound gorilla is Divi and they're probably, they're probably vacuuming up a lot of it. Uh, a lot of the revenues going straight to them. Um, I might be a little on the high side there, but it is in the tens of millions of dollars per year being spent on page builders with the, the big five or six uh, page building companies. Now, um, you have different types of users, right? You have just the normal user who just wants to make their own website. There's no loyalty there. You have the WordPress implementer, you know what I mean? That's the guy that wants an easier way of assembling things that they're selling. And then you have the hardcore developers. I don't think Gutenberg's gonna do anything to change what a, um, an implementer is using because they're used to their tool. Why would they want to go and learn something new when what they have is giving them all the flexibility and power that they want? They, I don't think Gutenberg's even going to get to. Like some of the flexibility you get with a page builder that it, a developer or an implementer would be interested in, I don't think it's going to come to Gutenberg. I don't think you're going to have all these responsive controls and they're not going to have uh, all of these things of adding custom classes to different blocks and all that kind of stuff. Guten Morton might be shaking his head at me right now, but that's okay. He can correct me in a moment. Uh, I think it's the users, the actual guy that just wants to build a website for themselves. They're the, the customers that these guys are going to lose because uh, if I have no loyalty and here's this free way of doing it and I can add maybe this Gutenblocks free plugin that adds some more cool stuff to it, what do I need a page builder for at that point? For all the people that are the new ones coming in and trying to build a website for themselves, I think Gutenberg's going to be great for those guys. Uh, but I think what, what's going to probably end up happening is these page builder companies are going to have to figure out how to get their page builder, their in, this their interface for their page builder to work within the Gutenberg framework of things. Mm -hmm. um, technologically, coding-wise, Morton could probably say if that's even a possibility, um, uh, I think moving forward it is, but maybe legacy it might not be. But I think that's just what's going to end up happening. So you got guys that use Swear by Beaver Builder. They're going to still use Beaver Builder because why learn a whole new way of doing things? You know what I mean? Because time is money. So 
I think that these guys are actually pretty safe. The only ones I'm really worried about the most is Divi and the Divi ecosystem because it's based on short codes um, and how that's going to pan out. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I just think that's the only one I'm really worried about the most. Well, there's already a functional shortcode block in Gutenberg, but, um, you know, I think it's whether you can keep on using what you used to use will depend on whether what you used to use is going to be compatible or, and, and actually keep working. Um, and, uh, you know, in terms of what Jonathan said about you know, different ways of doing things. I mean, this was one thing that occurred to me when I, you know, first started hearing people talking about the API and that this can, you know, change, that, that you can use it to change the admin as well as to produce the interface. And it's like, well, you know, on the one hand, this is great. You can build people an admin that makes, you know, sense for that particular client and so on and so forth. And on the other hand, it means that, you know, the more you customize the admin with or without the REST API, um, the less your installation looks like WordPress, the less any pre-existing kind of, you know, training videos or whatever are going to apply or make sense or, or yeah. be usable. And uh, so this, this brings its own set of challenges with it um, in terms of, oh, well, if you've, you know, if you've got something that's really customized, it's then much harder for somebody who's used to WordPress but not used to your specific environment to, to work on it. That's great. I just before I ask Malton, well, I am going to ask, Malton, did there anything I just, when I made my statement, did it make any sense to you what I was trying to get across or do you think I made a disaster, a disaster of that little bit? I think it makes sense. I mean, the, the, the interesting part about Gutenberg is this is entirely uncharted territory. So when you say we don't know what's going to happen to page builders, we don't know what's going to happen to WordPress. This is, this is going to change WordPress in such a fundamental way that things will happen to our user base that we're not currently able to see, right? Uh, so, and it'll take time for this to fully materialize into the community because right now even if you install the plugin and even if you do all the things you can do with gutenberg you really can't do the majority of things that gutenberg is meant to do for you right so there's no absolute decision made on how blocks are, are um, identified in the output there's no absolute def uh, decision on how you include your own blocks and what the standard is for this there are solutions out there, but they're not finalized. There's no proper documentation for any of it, um, which means uh, apart from ideas and fancy videos and a lot of uh, talks, we don't really know exactly how it's going to work. Um, what we do know is the idea of blocks is a departure from how WordPress currently works because you're basically able to contextualize each individual component within your post or page. And there are already blocks like uh, widget blocks. You can put your recent post or recent page or recent uh, comments widgets into a blog post or a page now. 
And they're working on a way of doing the same thing with a, uh, with a menu. So you can create custom menus and then place those menus inside poster pages. And then when you change the menu, it'll change inside the poster page. And you can see how in the future that would lead to you being able to basically drag and drop things. Then in addition, um, they are working on this ability for you to provide a pre-setup template. So you can say, oh, so you want to make this kind of content. You select this template from the side. And then the template will say, it's like, here's one block of content. Here's one block of content. Here's the featured image. Here's a menu. Here's da, da, da. And then you just click on each part and either drag and drop in the pieces you need, or you fill them out. And this will all be done at the WordPress core level, which means you can make a theme that does all this stuff. So you install the theme, then you get all these templates, and or you get all this stuff. And the idea being, because it's done internally inside WordPress, if you then switch off this theme, theme to another theme, the content doesn't go away. It just gets displayed in a different way. But if we're going to do that, we need to standardize how that's done, which is why you're seeing blocks like column blocks, where you get two columns side by side, or three columns side by side. And you're getting media blocks, where you can make galleries with like three buckets, and you have a button block. So when I develop a theme, I can then target the button block and make the button block look a certain way. And then Sally can make another theme and target the button block and make it look a certain way. And Adam can design the theme and, and so on. So we can all work on the same stuff. Uh, so the idea of being able to migrate from theme to theme to theme to theme and have some sort of cohesive experience throughout. Yeah, the, the standardization is important. And this is, you know, kind of where that came from. There are now guidelines for plugin developers about like where their options should show up and to make it more consistent. Now, not all of the plugin developers follow these guidelines. Uh, and, you know, I have certainly been known to rearrange uh, admin menus for clients so that things are in a more logical place. So like, oh, here, let's put all your media related things over here. And all of your, you know, uh, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, I think this is, this is only going to make it more important to have the standardization. And then, yes, once we've kind of got through the transition period and the, and the learning curve, it will make things easier in a lot of ways because you don't have to go through, okay, and so, you know, this theme framework handles buttons in this way, and this theme framework handles buttons in, in that way, and this is it's like, well, no, there's going to be a standard WordPress button, and so all you have to do as a theme developer is style it. Yeah, um, one thing that kind of struck me, because Adam, you did a recent review of um, Fry Themes Architect, didn't you? Um, I've been using, because I've been using all the all the page builders, not the only one I don't use regularly is Divi, but I've been trying most of the others out, the leading ones. And I really liked your um, assessment of architect, its strengths and its weaknesses. One of, but one of its real strengths is, it's obviously they've spent a lot of time on the interface, haven't they? There's some things about that interface that are really sweet, aren't they? Um, that I think could be applied to WordPress in general. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. And well, actually, you know, I think Thrive products are not GPL. Did you know that? No, that's the problem with them. That's been, um, they've been skirting the edge for a while, really. Yeah. With, with Heresy. That. 
Yeah, well, they're not ever been part of the mainstream WordPress ecosystem. You never hear anyone but marketers and real users saying they use this. You know what I mean? They're almost like blacklisted. You know, if you look on any kind of roundup on any websites like WP Beginner or something like that, they'll never even mention them. Um, I don't think it's because of the GPL. I think there's like monetary reasons, but um, they're not part of that whole main mainstream thing. But yes, well, and, and uh, a tool like that is like a perfect example of why page builders aren't going anywhere. You ain't going to get none of that stuff in Gutenberg. You know, no one's going to build a suite of things like that that does and plug them in there with everything that Thrive Architect does. And the... No, the controls. Actually, I can't just interrupt. I see where you're going with that. You know, the other, because you mentioned it in your review, and do go and have a look at it, folks, if you're a beginner or, or a power user. It's a, it's a great introduction to that particular product. Um, just apologize for butting in a little bit, Adam. Um, it's just that I see where you're going because it integrates with all their other plugins. Yeah. But what, what I just want to put to you is that I. You know, certain elements in the architect, you know, certain interface elements that they're built in mm-hmm. that give you function. I actually do think the um, they could be applied to um, the actual new WordPress editor because it, it's got some sweet functionality, hasn't it? Well, yeah, because what happens is when you're creating something with its inline editor and everything on, say, the right side of your screen, you have such fine-tuned control of every single aspect of it on the left side of the screen, and you get all of these options. So with your backgrounds, you can do pretty much anything with your backgrounds. You can apply gradients, uh, uh, videos. You can do all of these things, uh, and then you get shape tools. There's just all of these things that it brings that is never going to make it to a Gutenberg, you know, and when I was talking about um, what, right before you, you interrupted me, I actually wasn't referencing the integration with the other plugins. I was actually referencing the modules that it has that you're not, you're like, no one's going to make a evergreen countdown timer module for Gutenberg or a content reveal module for Gutenberg. These things just aren't coming. You know, um, that's why I believe that these page builders are going to be totally fine (laughs) moving forward. But yes, you're right. The way those controls are, um, they're, they're, they're pretty, um, uh, comprehensive. Yeah, because you remarked, you remarked, and I agreed with it, because, you know, you looked extensively at all the other ones. It's, it's, it's obvious that some real time and energy has been placed on the interface not that the other interfaces are awful or nothing it's just polish and finish isn't it pretty much in giving users what they want you know they listened for two years of everything that people said they wanted and then they built it you know and that's just something that um uh they're and they're listening to users they're not listening to developers they're not listening to um you know these hardcore wordpress purists they're listening to the people that actually are using it to build something for themselves so they've got like years of market research where um i think even with gutenberg has it changed 
changed at all? They're like listening better or they're still not listening as much? That was the big deal. It's a little bit improved, but not yeah, really I mean, so I much. Think that, I think the development team is, you know, they, they, they listen and, and respond to suggestions, but there's also a, a kind of direction, which, you know, and a limitation to how much anyone can do at once. And yeah, I don't know that Core would ever necessarily put in a, you know, a block for a countdown timer, but somebody else probably yeah. would. Yeah, they, they're not going to do that. But it just occurred to me because I was just thinking and that my experiences with other um, CRM systems and, you know, everybody everybody likes the idea of multiple choices. But I actually think when it comes to interface design and something like WordPress, um, in some ways, when it comes to the interface, there's already too much choice. That's what people struggle with you know where do i find these settings for this plugin what why has the theme added all these different options blah 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 um um that fundamental- well, any anytime i see something with like five million toggles and switches yeah. on it i want to scream and run away it's easier for me to write the damn code that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> that's another whole. That's a whole other area. Um, I see where you go there, Sally. But that's a whole. That's a whole. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm. But can you see where I was going with this, Morton? That you know that you know because you because I do agree with you. I think just clarify it a little bit for you, Morton. Is that I, I wouldn't say I was concerned concerned by it. I just feel. So I think I I didn't agree with you initially when you came out with this, but now I now do. Is that I think Matt has got this really big idea that it's going to change the whole interface, the whole way it works, right? And I I personally, it's only my personal opinion. I think that's going a bit too far. Here. I think that's throwing the baby out with the with the water. If you know, if you understand what I mean, is but on the other hand, the criticism of a visual editor i thought was was wrong because it definitely needs a much much better visual editing environment and experience for the end user um so i i found myself kind of stuck in the middle Morton. is that i don't agree with this bigger vision or i have some slight concerns about that on the other hand i don't agree with a lot of the criticism of the whole idea of having a visual editor does that make any sense, Morton? Yeah, it does. I mean, that's, that's kind of where we're stuck right now, which is uh, whether you agree with <laughs> the direction or not, it doesn't matter at all, does it? <laughs> <laughs> because this is happening. Yeah. It, the, the only, I think the only thing that could turn, turn like, stop Gutenberg from Well, Google, that, if Google said... <laughs> well, it would be something like, um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, with WordPress 4.9, which is going to ship in a couple of days, probably, uh, there is a Gutenberg nag. Uh, so basically at the top of the screen, there's a thing that says, hey, this is the new, we're working on a new editing experience for WordPress. Do you want to try it out? Click here, right? Um, at least currently in the beta, that nag exists. Uh, and there's a lot of, um, there are two groups that are, very concerned about this. So one group is the people who are saying it's irresponsible to tell people to sh- to try beta content in their production sites because you know people are going to click on that and then they're going to install this thing and they're going to start messing around with it and then weird things may happen. Um, and they roll out all these scenarios where it's like, 
let's say you make a post with Gutenberg and then you decide you don't like it, so you deactivate the plugin. So now the post will fall back to regular WordPress, which will be weird. Then Gutenberg eventually will ship in WordPress. And then whatever customizations you did inside the Gutenberg plugin will suddenly kick back in again, but they might not behave the way you expect, right? Which would be problematic. It's also an insane fringe scenario that I don't think is realistic at all. So I don't think that's an, I, I understand the concern, but I don't think it's a valid a reason for not putting the nag in. The other concern is if you install Gutenberg at the moment and you have any kind of environment where you use custom fields or any type of custom meta boxes, all the custom meta boxes get put in a shelf uh, underneath Gutenberg. So basically you have the entire Gutenberg interface and then you scroll down and there's this box that just gives you all the meta boxes, which looks like garbage. And that is not great because uh, a lot of legacy, a legacy meaning pre-Gutenberg sites use this particular way of handling content to make content modeling happen. Um, and that has not been cleaned up or solved in any reasonable way yet. And even after Gutenberg is rolled out, it'll take time for that to resolve itself. So a lot of people are saying we shouldn't do this because this will produce an inferior user experience for anyone who has these meta boxes. And it's really weird and it's hard to understand. Um, now, on the other side of that equation are the people who realize that shipping Gutenberg's beta out to the public right now will result in an inundation of people who go, what the hell is this crap? Can you please turn this off? This should never happen, right? And that is the data collection that we should have been doing since day one. Um, and more than likely, there will be an enormous amount of negative feedback. But the negative feedback will have to be split into two groups. So the actual, I don't like this because it goes against how I work. And then all the, I don't like this because I, it's new and weird. Right. And to be able to separate those two will be very difficult. So uh, to, to, to the question of whether or not this will actually work and everything, um, we will, it remains to be seen, but we will start seeing things once this gets put in front of real users. And I'm very curious to see the results of that. Um, as for whether or not people want or, or what this does to visual editors, the, the interesting thing is, I think the reason why people use visual editors today, like all these plugins, is because they want to do fancy things and they want to have a WYSIWYG environment without having to really understand what's going on. What Gutenberg is trying to do is standardize that process. So ideally, what we should see is the people who are currently providing visual editors adopt the Gutenberg paradigm and then build extensions to Gutenberg rather than build their own experiences on top of it, which is the goal that Matt has had since 2013 standardize the WordPress experience so you don't install plugins that fundamentally change how WordPress works. Um, and uh, this is a step in that direction. And I think if the, uh, if the developers of uh, all these editing experiences adopt uh, the Gutenberg framework properly, we can actually see an incremental evolution of how WordPress works that would be really positive for people. The challenge is, like Adam has said, a lot of these companies have spent years perfecting the science of making their particular plugin work. And Gutenberg is a total departure from how they do things. So not only do they have to then basically rewrite their entire plugin, 
to handle data differently because they're now handling blocks instead of whatever custom content they use. But they also have to um, scrap a lot of their research because they're now adopting a new UI. They're now adopting a new design language. They're now ad adopting all these new ways of doing things that are different, which requires retraining and everything. So for existing users of page builder plugins, what we'll likely see is there will be a group that will stick to the old way of doing things. And there will be plugin developers who have this, they'll just stick to the old way of doing things and have their own experience built on top of WordPress that basically behaves as if Gutenberg never happened. Then on the other side, you will have new users who come in post Gutenberg who will say, oh, this is cool. And then they'll install one of these page builder plugins and say, why is this changing everything for me? I actually like what WordPress does better. And there will be a demarcation line where you'll have the old guard and the new guard. And how long it takes for us to shift over to this new reality where Gutenberg is the base framework we use, it remains to be seen. Hopefully it'll be fast. I don't think it will be. I think it'll take a long time, which will probably cause massive problems for WordPress itself because this will open up an opportunity for all these other platforms like Wix and Squarespace and everything to gain foothold to be like, you know how WordPress is a mess? Well, we're not, right? So. Yeah, I, I can see, I, I don't quite, see, I'm kind of always stuck in the middle when I, with these conversations, Morton, because um, I, I, I see where you're totally going from and um, I think there's a good chance that you might be totally right. I, I just sense that you, you, you've just been a little bit, um, um pessimistic there a little bit but um but on the other hand you could be totally right um um because i do see because I, I do think users the editing experience was a bit pathetic you know people just wanted to do some really quite simple things like you know putting things in roll in rows you know having more flexibility around images. Um, it, it was a very clunky experience. And um, uh, I think they it needed to be moved on. Um, but where I do totally agree and always agreed with you was the way that um, the pre-planning stage, the data collection stage, the the discussion needed the pre-planning that needed to be done i've always felt that your observations and your input was totally spot on when it came to that and i never agreed with the response that you got to some degree with your honest input there i i, I just never understood it well i do understand it but what i mean is i i i think they should have listened to you a bit more and other people that were saying similar things that had a long history in the wordpress um thing but i think we're going to wrap it up now folks we've had a great discussion actually i've really enjoyed it actually um and thanks panel for coming on it's i think it's been a great discussion i'm just gonna how people can find more about you and then some more i'm gonna start with sally how do people find about you sally you can find me at wpfangirl.com, where I've actually um, been publishing much more frequently than usual. And uh, I am at Sally Getch on Twitter. And if you can spell my name, you will find me. I am unique in Google. And Morton, how can people find more about you? Oh, you're muted, Morton. 
Okay. Try again, Morton. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Morton because that's my name. And I am also on LinkedIn. You can find me there. And you can find my courses on LinkedIn Learning. Oh, that's great, Morton. And Adam, Dr. Evil, uh, how can people find you? Uh, you can reach me on YouTube, youtube.com slash WPCrafter. And watch a video, leave a comment. I'll be happy to respond. Yeah, and do go to his channel if you want to learn more about WordPress. He's been knocking out some great videos. And all the um, panelists, um, if you really want to learn some interesting stuff, go to their blogs because these people um, have really interesting things to say. So I go to their blogs and YouTube channels and I, I read their stuff. That's why I invite them onto the show. It's been another great round table uh, did, did we mention how to get in touch with you jonathan I, yes i, I forgot about that, that. that. That's jonathan like, who <laughs> yes. 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 I'm your on, honorary co-host for today i figure that was my job to remind you oh thank you sally thank you so much um yeah i'm the doctor who aren't i uh um, no um get a hold of me it's quite easy folks you can either email me at jonathan at wp-tonic.com my twitter handle is at jonathan denwood or you can give just give me a call on 775-220-7306 if you've got any kind of comments remarks anything all feedback is welcome good or bad and if you're really um, nice to the show give us a review on itunes because it does really help we have been getting a two to three new reviews um that's great because it really does help the show and we'll see you next week with another round table where hopefully we can have an, a similar great panel we'll see you soon folks bye, bye everybody bye thanks for listening to wp tonic the podcast that gives you a spoonful of wordpress medicine twice a week